Hello everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Disorder Podcast. If you're new here, my name is Jamie and in this podcast we talk about all things related to eating disorder, recovery, and body image. Today I'm so excited because we are finishing the Body Image Perspective series with none other than Lindsay Deneen and Lindsay and I go way back. I think honestly since 2015 at least and Lindsay actually started out as my dance director slash dance teacher. I ended up joining her professional dance company and danced with them throughout my college years, I want to say, up yeah. until up until COVID hit. And then, you know, with the rest of the world, it kind of got sent down the line of, of shutting, you know, the performances down and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I've stayed friends and I'm so excited to have her on today to talk about dance and talk about her body image perspective with her years as not only a dancer, but also a performer, a dance director, among among many other things. So I'll let Lindsay finish introducing herself. So go ahead and take it away. Awesome. Well, first of all, Jamie, this is so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And it's just so full circle. Like you've been a guest on my podcast before and we've gotten to talk about you know your experience and anyway this is just so fun so yeah so uh gosh let's see I um I started dancing when I was four years old and it was I watched a video of the Nutcracker being performed and uh apparently I fell in love with the costumes and that's why I wanted to dance so (laughs) it wasn't for the dancing initially at first it was the pretty things which is no surprise. Um, and then, (laughs) and then I was dancing all throughout, you know, high school. Um, when we started looking at colleges, um, I, I looked at a wide variety of colleges. I hadn't really even decided to, that dance was going to be my career at that point. It was actually not until we started visiting colleges where I started thinking, you know what, I love this and I will, I want to do it my entire life. So I'm not going to feel fulfilled if I don't. So then I decided to major in dance and that was my undergrad degree. And, um, while at college, I actually went to project dance, which is a really cool organization and performed in New York city. And at that event, there was a, uh, professional dance company called Sterling dance theater based in Kansas city. And so I got to meet them there and I auditioned Uh, by video and then uh, found myself just a few short months after graduating, having accepted a position with a company, just packing up a car and driving to Kansas City, never having been (laughs) seen it at all before. Uh, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. So I danced professionally with a couple different um, local companies and then uh, started my own. It was um, kind of a, kind of a, interesting, um, beginning. I had uh, met Cheryl Kimmy, who was the former director of the Kansas city fringe festival. And she just asked me one day, you know, what is it that you want to, what do you, what do you want to do? Like, you know, you're, you're dancing professionally now, but you know, what are some of your goals? And I said, well, you know, at some point I want to start a professional company. I really love choreographing. And she was like, why don't you do that now? And it was kind of this weird, like, oh, yeah, I guess I could. And so she offered me a spot at the Kansas City Fringe Festival uh, in 2015. 
I said yes in April and we produced this first show in July and I am still flabbergasted. <laughs> it worked out so well. Oh, so Vita Dance Company is my heart and soul. And, um, you know, I was directing it, producing shows and whatnot up until I ended up leaving Kansas City um, about a year and a half ago to become a full-time digital nomad. So now my, now my dance looks a little different. I'm currently taking classes, but, uh, starting to think about some potential other options in the future. Uh, so yeah, there will be some performances coming up, but anyway, that's a long winded way of saying I've been dancing my whole life and I love it. (laughs) No, no, I love that. And honestly, I learned a few things too. I didn't even realize. I didn't realize that you had come to Kansas City specifically for the company, which is crazy to think about just packing up your car and just moving somewhere without ever being there, especially Kansas City, because it's not it's not necessarily like a huge like Chicago or New York where you're like, okay, I know if for whatever reason this company isn't my fit. There's so many other you know, dance stuff, Kansas City, it's kind of a gamble, which there is arts there, but it's hard to find sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right that it was a gamble. And I do remember a few weeks in, maybe a month or so in, I (laughs) looked at my checking account and I had like cents, you know, left after, (laughs) after, you know, all the bills had been paid. And I just remember, uh, because, you know, in the dance world, you don't tend to get paid a full living wage. So you end up, you know, kind of cobbling together a few other jobs in order to make it happen, which I was always willing to do. Um, but I was, I was working seven days a week and yeah, I, I don't know how I did it. Um, and just crazy, crazy hours. And I just remember looking at my checking account and calling my mom and going, this was really fun at the beginning. And this is not fun anymore. (laughs) Oh my god. Adulting is hard. You're real for that. (laughs) So uh it is it's such a hard thing, especially when you know it's something that you want to pursue and is a dream of yours. Yeah. You you kind of just put it all on the line, but it's moments like that where you're like, you know, maybe I'm second guessing how much I want this. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm yeah, I'm glad you can have that that perspective and and know that it was such a successful company yes. and and throughout everything and I mean you know maybe I'm biased but I had just the best time on the company and I've never had such a positive experience in the dance world as a whole than I did with your studio and your company yeah. and yeah just kind of touching into that world because your dance studio and your company was not only just so inviting of every body type, every person, it didn't matter how you looked, which is honestly hard to come by in the dance world where you can get a spot or, you know, a a part in a show or a company not based on how you look. Did you know when you were creating a company in a studio that that's something that's a value you wanted to have in it? Yeah, it's a great question. And yes, a hundred percent. I, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, I'm so thankful that I had some different experiences with different companies to kind of realize what worked well and what did not work at all. And so, you know, part of Vita Dance was correcting, (laughs) correcting mistakes that I kept seeing in the world. Um, and mistakes is a gentle way of putting it, frankly, um, 
there are issues in the dance world, uh, especially as it relates to to body image and to the way that you you talk about or are talked to about everything from nutrition to you know the infamous lines you need to lengthen your lines bit, which is you know it makes basically they're saying you need to lose weight. Um, you know, and th- so there's a lot, there's a lot that's inherently built in that is very difficult to overcome. And I just didn't want that at all with my company or studio. I mean, I, I'm, I firmly believe that dance is for everybody and, and every body. <laughs> like it's, it is, it is uh, a beautiful gift. Dance is just like, it's so joy producing. And I didn't want anybody to ever feel like they couldn't because they didn't look a certain way or because, um, you know, especially like I would, yeah, uh, there's no way I'm going to tell someone that they can't dance like at all, (laughs) you know, because there, there is, you can, you can find so much joy and meaning from it. And I just, I really wanted that from the beginning to be the emphasis that it's, it's for everybody, no matter what you look like, no matter what your background is, no matter how old you are. Gosh, I had a student who was taking hip hop and she was in her seventies, you know, so it, it is for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I definitely felt that, like I said, your studio just had such a different ambiance from some of the other ones that you go into. Yeah. But when did you kind of learn? I think when people have the experience that most dancers have growing up where they're told stuff like about their lines or their appearance or their weight they kind of can either go one of two ways. It's either they listen to it and it really just affects them the rest of their life and they can't shake it. And then they start enforcing that if they were to open a studio or teach, cause that's all they know, or they kind of learn that that's not how it's supposed to be. That's not okay. And kind of go the route you went where you're like, I'm not going to let other kids feel that way. So when did you kind of say like, you know, that's not okay. And, and how I look doesn't, affect my value? Mm, That's such a good question. And it's, oh, it's, it's a deep one. It's a loaded one (laughs) because there's so much to unpack there. Yeah. I think, so I remember, you know, when I was growing up, I had a great studio. Uh, I'm so fortunate that I was able to take dance at a studio that was very, very warm and welcoming that, you know, honestly had a very similar vibe to, to my studio. I did a few things differently, but that's the inspiration was because I had such a great, um, great experience growing up dancing. And so, uh, but, but even there, you know, there was a lot of what I'll call old school thinking in terms of, um, you know, ballerinas have to look one way. And, um, and that is, you know, waif, waif-like thin, and it's, you know, you're, your legs look a certain way. Your, your neck is long. And I mean, it's, it's, there's so much to it. And I was very fortunate to have what they call a ballerina body growing up. So in terms of what I personally felt, I was, I was, I was very lucky in that way, not to, um, not to constantly feel the pressure of being told like, Hey, you need to, you know, you need to, lengthen your lines or, or whatever. Um, but at the same time, I observed it happening a lot. In fact, I remember one day they brought in a nutritionist to talk about healthy food choices, which would have been fine 
if it were handled in a very specific way, but it really kind of, unfortunately to me, like my, my feeling about it was that it was, it was like almost a, (laughs) we're going to bring in this outsider to tell you what we're already telling you. And that is like, like literally they would say, you know, before Christmas break, well, don't eat too much, you know, cookies and candy and like sweets because, you know, you're, you don't base and, and, you know, and they wouldn't kind of finish the thought, but you knew what they meant, like don't gain weight over the holidays or whatever. And so it was, it, so it's hard because again, it's so built into the culture that it's hard to unpack it and like say, and on some level you have to be realistic too, because you know, if your goal is to dance at one of the top ballet companies in the world, then you are going to have to kind of fit their look. Like that's going to have to be part of what you strive for. That's sort of part of the training or, or whatever. And so, so there is that element that makes it a little sticky still, because there are a lot of places that don't have um, either because they don't want to, or they can't or whatever. They just haven't quite gotten to that next level of more body types can dance than just the traditional ballerina body. You know what I mean? So I think there's, there's a lot of considerations that go in that. Um, but that being said in college was when it was, when was, when it was really bad, frankly. I mean, they didn't have (laughs) weigh-ins or anything like that. Thank God. But I mean, you know, all of your measurements were done, you know, in not public, public, but like, where in, in, in public in terms of around all the other students. So that was, that was kind of self-conscious. Like I felt very self-conscious in doing that. And, um, you know, they, they had, (laughs) they definitely, they were notorious for talking about, you know, the, the lines and the, um, you know, you know, making, making healthy choices was just like such a convenient way to, to basically say, you know, you have to restrict certain types of foods. You can't eat this. You can't have that, you you know, and it's just, when you get into that mindset, it's very hard to get out of it. And, um, something I think I've maybe shared with, with you, Jamie before is that it led to very, very disordered eating for, for me. Um, like, look, I, (laughs) I don't know how I did it, frankly, like looking back, I, I remember I would (laughs) every morning have like an apple, two cheese sticks and like a caramel macchiato. Uh, and that was, you know, that's what I did to get me through classes. And I was taking like multiple dance classes a day. Right. And that, and then so at lunch would be quick. It would be like always as a, like a, almost always a salad. And then dinner would be what whatever, but it was, it was small portions. It was highly, highly controlled. And I think part of it for me too was um, college was was very tough mentally and emotionally for me, and I think that this was one area I could control, and so <laughs> I let myself be very very controlling about it, and it was not good. <laughs> it was a really not good thing. Um, so that's kind of my path, and then you know. Thank goodness after college, um, you know, I, I joined the other company, uh, the first company and, uh, it was a much better, you know, environment in terms of, um, expectations, how they talked about food, how they, 
how they did all those kinds of things. But, um, but frankly, I, I don't think it needs to be part of the conversation at all. <laughs> like it, it, your dance teacher, not to be mean, but your dance teacher is, is not a nutritionist most of the time. If they are, okay, diff- maybe different ball game. But for the most part, they don't know what's healthy for you. And what's healthy for you might be look different than what's healthy for the next dancer. So it's really important to be aware of those things and to be aware of, of all the ways that you say things because, um, cause you know, in, in, in dance, you have to really engage your core. Well, if you say something like suck in your stomach or so, or something like that, that's a very self-conscious, like, Oh, I, I have, I have to, you know, like, Oh, I have a stomach to suck it, you know, like things like that where you, it's just, you've got to be so careful and it's so important that you're careful and diligent. So. Yeah. And I agree with you saying, you know, it's not a dance teacher's job to be talking about that kind of stuff because I feel like what a lot of times even, especially, especially the kids don't realize is adults in general and dance teachers, they're not perfect. This like perfect being like (laughs) for kids, that's hard to know. And, And even growing up, I remember I didn't even think my parents could even like make a mistake until I got older. And then you realize like, oh wait, my parents are human too. They are going to make mistakes. Not everything that they say is going to be perfect and not everything you do is going to be perfect. And that's the same exact thing for dance teachers. And, but as a kid, you kind of glorify them being like, they're great. Like everything they say is just exactly how I'm supposed to live. But at the end of the day, like they don't know your specific body and what your body needs so right. they're kind of having this generalization of okay like you need to eat x y and z and do x y and z to look this way mm-hmm. it's not gonna work for everyone and it's really just gonna lead to a lot of eating disorders and right. issues with your relationship with food right so when did you kind of break that mold and say okay you know what? I'm done living like this was it kind of with your first company or how did you kind of have that realization moment? Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting thing for me to actually think about because it was a very gradual undoing. I mean, I'm a I'm a habit driven person. I am. Um, I have always been the kind of person who wants it to be as close to perfect as possible. So excellence in everything I do is is a huge thing, um, which can lead to some obs- <laughs> some obsessive. <laughs> tendencies, right? So, you know, it took a long time. I'm, I'm, I would, you know, with that first company there, I was pretty rigid in kind of how I did it. So even, you know, frankly, looking back, like I, even now I don't like to eat a big meal before I'm going to dance. It just doesn't feel good to me, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean I shouldn't eat protein rich (laughs) things that'll actually fuel my body for success. But, um, you know, with that company, I was eating like you know, one of those small things of yogurt and then doing like a whole rehearsal and then going back. And I remember my food lunches were just like a bunch of vegetables. And I don't know. I don't remember. I remember eating a lot of vegetables, but not really doing like enough protein. Um, so it, it, it took a long time of kind of allowing myself to get out of habits like that. Like, 
it was easy. I think that's part of it for me. It was like, I didn't really have to think about it. It was like, Oh, I, I always do this for breakfast and I always do this for lunch. And so you also, I also had the getting into this rut of like, I don't know, like, let's do a little bit more thinking about this ahead of time. What's actually going to be helpful for you. So really it was a very, very gradual undoing, but I would say definitely by the time I started my own company, I was like, Nope, that's for the birds. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not living like this. Um, because I, you know, I, I want to have, I, I want to be responsible in my food choices, but I also want to have a piece of cake every once in a while. Yeah. Dang it. <laughs> Speaking of cake, I remember at our first ever show, the last show there, we had cake after. Yeah. And I just remember thinking like, this is crazy. Like, this is not <laughs> what I would expect from like a, a professional dance company. But it was so nice to see because that was obviously my first experience in like the professional world being an apprentice and everything else I had seen was just from TV or the internet or whatever. And even then, even from the outsider perspective, looking kind of what they release, you see that it's like very much strict with what you're eating and how you look. And so that's just what I was expecting going into it. I thought that's just how it was in the dance world. And that's, how it was going to be, but it was so nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I mean, after performance. Good. I'm so glad that was your experience. I, I loved doing that. It was so much fun. I think, you know, it's not like you can really have a celebratory salad. Like, <laughs> no. I love salad. Don't get me. I actually am one of those odd people that actually really, really love salad, but like, that is not a food to celebrate. Like, what do you know? So absolutely have your cake, eat it every once in a while. Like do that. You should. It's good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And kind of with your years as an instructor, I know you did a lot of overlapping with your professional dancing while also instructing and also being a director. So how did you, while being an instructor, kind of influence that younger generation of students where you're like this is not how it's going to be it's not going to be about how your body looks yeah well you know that's actually a great question at after to throw back at you and I'm wondering what your (laughs) perception of that was but I can tell you from my perception you know my perspective it was it was very helpful to um to kind of like I said you don't really talk about it like I don't need to be the nutritional expert for my students. I, if I'm going to say anything, it's going to be like, you know, make sure you fuel your body for success. So, you know, have, have your, have what you need, you know, to do that. And, and, you know, I think a lot of it is leading by example. So I was, you know, not, maybe coming into the studio with chips, <laughs> but I, you know, but at the same time, like, like we did, we would have celebratory cake after performances and things like that. So I think, um, a lot of it is again, sort of being aware what you're, of what you're saying and being aware of how it might be perceived, even if you don't intend it to be, um, given as sort of advice or anything, but also I really hated when people would say like, oh my gosh, I just remember one time listen, listening to a dance dad talking to a dance mom. And he said something about how his daughter had eaten pizza the night before and 
how she was going to definitely be paying for that. It's, you know, today. And I was so angry. I was like, no, 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 no. Pizza is a perfectly fine thing to have. You know, there, it is ridiculous to me when, when it's perpetuated also like within families and with, it's almost like, because there's this, this perspective of, oh, dancers have to eat in a certain way or diet all the time or whatever, then even people who are not even like directly involved, they're not the ones dancing. They're still perpetuating it sometimes. So I, I think a lot of times it's, it's, it's leading by example for sure. Like, (laughs) I'm sure you seem to eat all kinds of like, (laughs) like I just, I love food, so I'm going to eat and I'm going to eat things that I like. And then, um, and then part of it again is, is just recognizing that that's, it's really not my place. So being aware of, of what I'm there to do, which is to, to teach a great class, to, um, make people feel empowered and inspired. And then, then I've done my job and it's somebody else's job. It's a doctor's job or it's a nutritionist's job to, to do that part for that person. Yeah. I, Definitely agree with everything you said. I think from my perspective, kind of yeah. the, the opposite end. Obviously, when I was dancing with the company and with the studio, that was kind of like when I was ramping up in my eating disorder. But it was never because of anything that was like triggering in the company or studio, which is rare. It's normally the opposite where right. with everything with the studio and with the company that's kind of fueling your outside motives. But it really just kind of stemmed from honestly the the media and the research I kind of did leading up to actually joining the company and the studio where I was obviously watching movies and shows and, and training in a, a different studio and that was what kind of fueled it. But mm. from my perspective exactly like you said it was very much like I never felt like it was talked about in the studio or company where we talked about how someone looked or what someone was eating and also I never felt like people talked about food in a negative way or talked about their own body in a negative way Mm. and there's so many people of so many different shapes and sizes and backgrounds in the company and in the studio where also I never felt like those people were judging other people in the company or in the studio. So all around, I think it was just leading the example that you had and and not tolerating that because I know for a fact that if someone came in the company and was having a judgmental tone and saying that kind of stuff, you would have gotten rid of that. (laughs) (laughs) So honestly, that was like the light in all of it was being in the company and in the studio where I felt like that kind of was what planted the seed in my head where I was like, okay, maybe it's, maybe it's not supposed to be like this and maybe I can live a, a, live a different life and, and everything like that. So I think you just did an amazing job with everything and kind of moving on to the last question as we're getting close to our time. Yes. So I asked every guest, on this series, this question, and it's a thinker. You might have to think first. Okay. <laughs> or maybe you can pop it off the top of your head. But if you could give your younger self a piece of advice, what would you give yourself? Yeah, that is a great question. And specifically, is this specifically about our sort of conversation topic or like general life advice? Life advice. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a lot of things I would say. I think I think the the, the first thing that comes to mind is <laughs> it's all gonna be okay. Uh, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, and, and to your point earlier, um, we tend to look up to adults and uh, when we're growing up and think, oh my gosh, you have it all together. You're so responsible. You're so blah, blah, blah. And you reach adulthood. <laughs> and I remember very clearly this one moment I was, I was in college. I was speaking at a conference <laughs> and I had traveled there by myself and it was a new city. It was a new experience, all new experiences. I was really nervous. And I was walking into the convention center and I realized this is how everybody feels like adults don't have it together. And of course, now that we're adults, we also know this to be a fact. <laughs> we do our best, but we're not perfect. And, um, and I think if, if, if I could have just told my younger self, you know what, it's all going to be okay. It's sort of this, like, it's okay. It's okay. Like whatever happens in your life, there are almost zero decisions that you make that cannot be changed. Um, I guess having a baby would be one that comes to mind. You've, you've had your baby. So, <laughs> but like, seriously, I mean, there are almost no choices that you'll make that cannot be changed. You can change your mind about things. You can change your career. You can change, uh, anything like it and it's it's okay and when things get really tough and I've been through some seasons that have been uh, like literally horrible like I there was there was a really difficult season in my life where I was um a lot of things outside of my control are happening and they were bad they were really bad and I I had the most intense fear, like almost every day. And it was, a, it was a horrible thing. Um, and I, I'm so thankful for, for therapists. Let me plug for therapists. Holy cow. Get yourself a therapist. I don't care what you, you, Yes. Not like I that. that. <laughs> yeah. I am going to talk to mine like today after actually. So, <laughs> so I think so, but, but, to that point. So I'm so thankful for, you know, coming through that, but the, but looking back, I'm like the, the, in my mind at the time, the, some of the worst things that I thought could happen in my life happened and I'm here. I'm okay. It's all going to be okay. I guess it's like everything can work out. Everything will work out. It, it will take time. There will be terrible seasons probably, but there will be lessons you didn't want to learn the way you learned them. Um, but it's going to be okay. I promise it's going to be okay. Yeah. And, and what a great way to end this entire series with that piece of advice, because I think that just stands true in, in every phase of life, but especially those really difficult seasons where, you know, in your head, you're like, is it though? Is it really <laughs> But then, like you said, you you pass it and you look back and you said, okay, but it was. It yeah. wasn't in the moment, but right. <laughs> right. So I'm I'm so glad that you spoke to that in in such a great way and such a good outlook. But 
thank you again for being on this podcast. I'm so honored to have you as a guest, like you said, a real full circle moment. (laughs) (laughs) Not not only that, but to end the entire series with you is just such a treat for me. And I know for the listeners too, but if anyone wants to find Lindsay's social media or anything like that, it will be linked in the footnotes of this episode, as well as the Disordered Podcast Instagram, which is at Disordered Podcast with two T's at the end. So thanks again, Lindsay. And I'm excited to have the listeners listen to this. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Jamie. This was such a pleasure.